0: Welcome to another One Spatial podcast. We're talking about 3D and 3D data and functionality and capability this week. So we've just shipped One Integrate 3D. So from the latest major release of One Integrate, conveniently, we call it version three as well. um, Our customers are starting to expand their data plans to include 3D data and 3D functionality. So we've already got some POCs running, mainly because as 3D data becomes more readily available, are clients we know uh wanting to exploit it in the same ways that really they're currently finding interesting and innovative ways to exploit their 2d data so really you know try and make sure they're, they're giving themselves the maximum potential to to get some advantage over their competitors
1: yeah 3d it's pretty simple you just add heights to everything and let users zoom around it right
0: yeah yeah that's right seb that's right um but yes and no i suppose it varies from people wanting just to add height attributes to 2d information so heights to buildings things like that through to fully detailed solid geometry models of of all objects in a building in a city or in a country so it it really does depend on the use case and the source of the data so as i mentioned dealing with 3d data it's a bit of a natural progression for many of our customers uh, many people are aspiring to do it so there's been an upsurge in interest in 3d and in 3d data and it's now where we're going beyond the sort of visual use cases based on building outlines, stuff that's previously been really focused on the viewing technology, maybe thinking about it taken from the gaming industry. So as our customer's ambitions are growing and their data strategies are growing, especially with the adoption of 3D, the One Integrate 3D capability we've put together has been really driven by making sure we've got a clear roadmap for our existing customers them to keep their 2D and 3D management going and make sure they can do all their analysis work that they need to do on 2D and 3D in a a single no-code environment. Um, So as I mentioned, originally a lot of the 3D work that we've been looking at was driven by visualization and in the the GIS space, and I think that's where you get the the GIS and CAD combination. We had some of the CAD designers wanting to, to use this for viewing their constructions architects for viewing all their plans, computer gaming industry, as we mentioned, online mapping. Think about the Tour de France that's just happened and. um, Systems and apps that you now use when you're going out in the field on your bikes on Strava, and they all start introducing quite nice 3D visualizations to what they do. Um, But we're working with our customers to move them into a really a true 3D data management and analysis phase
1: yeah and it's a very much like in 2d so the original move from digital mapping to spatial data so it started as an easier way to make paper maps for visualization but eventually the digital data itself has become the product and from that you can use it for analytics and automated processes so what are we seeing is the use cases for 3d data beyond visualization then
0: well like we mentioned we know from our experience, some of the the early adopters were driven from those CAD and architecture sources um, and we've seen how that's evolving into into BIM and the BIM space where the designs are used to efficiently manage the assets and facilities being built through the cycle, um, not just at the build stage. So these are being combined and used to manage not just building, but whole facilities and sites and even cities as part of smart city projects and agendas. We also see like tax departments looking at this so wanting to see how the 3d data can be used to make it easier to judge that the correct property tax is being a being applied and paid if, if you've got a 3d model to support that
1: and plus the, the wider city and countrywide use of data We see it being used for a lot of sustainability type assessments so for example what is the heat efficiency of these buildings based on their shape or how much electricity could come from solar panels on their roofs and you can judge that based on the size of the roof the slope the orientation and then from that you could combine it with electricity network data and then analyze where is capacity needed compared to where it could be generated from that just helps to plan future networks um but let's face it the first question that if someone's installing central heating, they ask you what volume are the rooms? They don't ask you what does the building look like? That's that's true and that's
0: a great way of, of kind of phrasing it and thinking of that, I think. And it's these demands that are given data providers such as national mapping agencies, the business case to produce 3D data. When it was just visualization for tourism or for looking at nice things on Google Maps and like the apps we talked about before, it was harder to justify, I think, but efficient facilities management, accurate taxation, and generally, sustainability planning are tipping into like must-have capability for people now.
1: Okay, so getting back to the data, how are people capturing it? With with 2D, it's traditionally been digitising historic maps, sending out field surveyors, capturing from aerial photography, or more recently using sensors on cars or drones.
0: And the things you mentioned there for for 3D, there's similarities, Seb. So. Field surveys and stereo imagery still being used. Um, more recently, LIDAR scans to generate point clouds, but also other sources coming in, such as we've talked about CAD models being used um, for the for the design and then the actual management of sites and hospitals and things like that. And then getting added into a, a city or a national model. But that brings spatial and model integration challenges.
1: Yeah, that's where we often first get involved is creating, integrating and then validating and cleaning up all these different sources of data, 2D, 2.5D, 3D, so that it can be used effectively. And at that point, essentially it becomes a master data management problem. So you're integrating data, but also doing it automatically and being able to keep it synchronized because those data sources will continue to change as they just keep up with, with real-world change. So with one Oneintegrate's um, no-code rules engine capability, that's a unique way to provide high-performance validation and enhancement of the data. So now that this capability includes 3d then it expands what it can do Um, and we also see that the the added processing demands of 3d data are much higher so a a 3d geometry can often be 10 times the size compared to its 2d equivalent Um, so that makes one integrates scalable secure performance even more important because that then enables national level automated processing that other tools may not be able to cope with you mentioned two and a
0: half d seb and we might as well clarify what we think that means at one spatial, and what and what it does mean. So for vector spatial data, two D means storing an x and a y value on each vertex of a point, or sequence of those that then make up a line or a polygon geometry. So a building we could also think of as having a height attribute, but it doesn't actually have to be part of the geometry. Some users might want to just store the height um, as a, an extra attribute on the feature. But going another step further. Other users might want to store a height or a Z value on each vertex as well as alongside the the X and the Y um, value. But really what this means from a two and a half D perspective is this gives you a sort of flying carpet. So often the Z value is just a passenger of the vertex in addition to the 2D geometry. But that means that two lines that pass over each other think they intersect because in 2D they do. And you can't have vertical things because the 2D part of it is invalid. Then full 3D geometries not only consider these X, Y and Z values or heights during all the interactions, but they allow vertical geometries and and higher level concepts to start to be introduced, such as forming solids from the faces around the features. And then you can use those to calculate the volumes of the solids. So we've just added all this 3D capability to our uh, one integrate rules engine and one integrate 3D. Um, and this is and a lot of this capability is also available in our real world 4D product. And that lets you visualize and explore and interact with all these different data types um, efficiently through a web browser. So much infrastructure in the utility sector is also a, a good idea and a good example and use case of this. So where 2.5D Data exists for a lot of equipment, it's often held as 2D center lines, so your pipes and ducts, with an extra height or depth value. Um, but rather than being true 3D, this is where 3D analysis could benefit from volume based problems like trench planning, which is much simplified when true 3D data is available. Similarly, when constructing new underground structures, those plans com- could be compared then to existing underground assets to start to find real true clashes between the different data sets.
1: Yeah, we we expect that all types of data, they'll continue to be maintained for the foreseeable future, 2D, 3D, um, and maintained in parallel. So we have to be able to use them together and also validate and cross-reference and synchronize them appropriately. And that synchronization is another example where one integrators often used. so you use rules to check within data sources and across the different data sources you spot errors and inconsistencies and also automatically fix the data if it's safe to do so according to your rules and this give some cross fertilization so for example 2d data is used to split up 3d buildings into apartments or the other way around 3d data can come in and act like a change detector to identify the 2d data that's out of date and can be more precisely positioned for example and so that drives improvements to the 2d base map so for 3d analysis our customers need to ensure that data is good quality and that you can imply you can still apply all the same types of spatial checks in 3d as well as 2d um, but do that in a single processing environment so combining 3d data with two and two and a half d data literally adds another dimension of data and that supports a more joined up view of people's world and we all know that you know the world is 3d in, in in real life after all so as i mentioned combining 3d with 2d assets can you can get mutual benefits and improve the quality of both um, but also ensure alignment and improve positional accuracy to get a consistent view so that change detection can benefit both data sets even if you're keeping them um, managed in parallel
0: so like that like you're right extending our rules-based approach just to include 3d capability suddenly becomes really powerful but going back to something you mentioned earlier on the you know some of the the differences and particularly non-functional stuff that we've had to worry about to make sure we manage in getting one integrate 3d out there can you just touch on those a bit more and like thinking about you know how how does this
1: all scale well what we see is that um we definitely see that 3d data is Often ten times the size of 2D data, which doesn't it's not it doesn't seem that intuitive, but you think well it's just an extra dimension so surely it's just 50 percent extra it's just a z value but if you consider a square and you turn that into a cube then a square on its own has four coordinates each with x y so that's eight numbers plus some additional geometry info a cube will be represented as six faces but each have their own so usually they don't share vertices they've got their own four vertices and those now have a z so that adds up on its own just to 72 numbers plus all the additional information to to, to connect them up in a geometry. And so that's just a cube, that's let alone a house that might have a pitch roof and dormer windows and a, and a chimney. So it easily adds up to at least 10 times the size, often more. But luckily, one integrates scalable approach of highly efficient spatial index across a disk cache of data means that you can work at national levels without having to try to fit all the data you're cross referencing into memory. And the 3D processing itself is fast too compared to lots of other technology.
0: It's a good point. that puts into to context really why I think it's it's now that everyone's looking and adopting the technology once all those non functional things as well as functional capabilities have, have started to be addressed. So we, we've talked a bit there, like you mentioned, one integrate 3D as, as one of the tools that we use, but we've also got the, the applications um, like real world 4D that we use I mentioned earlier to sort of analyze, explore and make decisions about the data. And that's where, as you've described, that combination of two d and three d data gives you that almost business solution, looking at asset management and and building management. So that's where we look to bring all that data together, make sure that you know in the in terms of real world four d as it starts moving into facilities management and the BIM space, it's as much about the two d and the three d graphical data as it is about all the other descriptive and documentary information that you need that's related to those assets. So maintaining it all together in a, a single repository and being able to process that data through something like one integrate in a single way, the 2D and the 3D worlds combining is really important. So it's, I th- always think of from the real world 4D and BIM perspective, it's that full IFC use basically and, and exploitation of the graphical data and all its attributes that we look to bring together. Um, so we talked before about, you know, I mentioned a lot of the customers are looking to have their own roadmaps and strategies to naturally move towards exploiting 3D as well as 2D data. Um, with the real world 4D work that we've been doing, that's been looking at opening up new markets to us, I guess, really in, in the BIM and the facilities management space. But come, it's the same similar use cases where the combination of the two views of the world, the two dimensional and the three-dimensional which is one of the features of, of all the products that we're building that are related to the one spatial platform that extension is just really really exciting at the moment and something that we're we'll look to see where it goes with an existing um, customers that we've worked with our new ones
1: okay so so we can use rules to check clean and enhance the data in 3d and then we can use real world 4d to explore and interact with that data or any other tools for analysis and publication. So what's next, do you think?
0: Well, so exactly as as you said, and I think that's partly why it's so exciting as well in different places across the world and different countries. Everyone's at slightly different stages in the development and use of 2D data and the 3D data plus the data and technology to be able to use it in the way you just just described from a data management perspective or from a business application perspective. But what's also interesting, I think a lot of future possibilities will naturally emerge. And we've talked about people looking at new innovative ways to look at taxation. And then some examples we mentioned around smart cities, data services around design and planning and construction. So there will be a lot around the sustainability agenda to look at that. But just as you, I think you mentioned earlier as well, Seb, the first steps for both the new and existing markets that we're seeing, and really, as we've seen historically with the introduction of any new data or formats or models, the potential benefits are normally pretty clear and quite compelling. But as we start to plan and enhance automation and analysis around 3D data, it's those same location data and sort of MDM challenges that will arise and that's where again we're helping our customers overcome some of these so the tools that we're we're talking about and what we're putting in place adding the 3D data capability and the modeling that also highlight not just errors but fix up information and it's also that the analysis that is then done can just like in in the 2D world at the moment we can do that based on trusted information and trusted data where we know what's good and what's bad, and we can deliver high quality results. And as always, the sooner that we can do that, the better. Um, The 3D capability inside the automation tools is perfect start for that. So we can start to make sure we get the data right before we move into the systems development. Um, Changing the model and cleaning the data, we know it will be a little bit disruptive to customers, but. As I mentioned it's the same challenges we've been experiencing when any data engineering programs um, come along or new data formats or new models are introduced into into our customers that they need to adopt so getting it right at the beginning for 3D data is again similar to the 2D world where if you want to run this project successfully and make sure you get that true competitive advantage you just need to make sure we run a, a solid and sound engineering project and start at the beginning with the data and test out and make sure all the assumptions that we normally make around its quality and provenance we check them out so that the systems we start to develop will deliver the right results for us
1: okay thanks bob uh, so thanks for listening and keep a lookout for our next podcast